Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite, and I wanted to welcome you to another episode of the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see how our tools work. Let us show you how FMG's award-winning content and remarkable technology can upgrade your brand and help you attract leads. Today in studio, I'm joined by Kirk Faulkner, Director of Inbound Marketing at FMG Suite, and today our special guest is Susan Danzig. For more than 20 years, Susan has been working with financial professionals to help them create effective marketing strategies. Susan also has a keen understanding of the financial services industry and industry's trends. So today we're going to spend some few minutes with Susan talking to her about succession planning for financial advisors. Succession planning is an area that advisors, it's always a manana thing with financial advisors. They will get to it tomorrow. Susan is going to try to get uh, advisors to get to it today. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us on our podcast today. I'm Mike Woods. I'm the head of compliance, and I work with the content team here at FMG Suite. And I'm Kirk Faulkner. I am the marketing director, and uh, today we are going to be joined by one of our favorite branding experts, Somebody we've worked with for a long time. I've known her for many years now. Uh, Miss Mrs. Right now, right? Mrs. Susan Danzig. Yes, yes. Recently married. Last year, yes. <laughs> I remember well, that from you. a couple months back. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation on succession planning and how it relates to branding. Awesome. All right. Well, Susan, I, I uh, just uh, for kicks and giggles to before we started this call today, I typed in succession planning for financial advisors into Google and I got seven million hits. So there's no shortage of information out there on Did succession you read them planning. All? You know, I <laughs> no, I'm I'm a quick reader, but not that quick. Uh, seven million yeah. hits. No, I made it through <laughs> about six. Uh, you know, Fantastic. and. and and I think, you know, we've all seen some of the statistics that the average age of an advisor is they're well over 55 at this point. A third of them are thinking about leaving the business in the next 10 years. They they control well over two trillion dollars in in assets under management. Um, we've you know, we've seen the numbers, but uh, and then we hear that how few of them have a succession plan. So we wanted to get it from your perspective. What uh, what's going on with advisors and their plans? Well, it's a great question, and I'm not surprised that there was so much information out there when you typed in succession planning, because it's it's definitely top of mind right now for a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, from what I see, there's a maybe a third of the segment who are actively engaged in succession planning and looking at their book of business and, you know, getting it evaluated and taking action to move forward and actually create an effective succession plan that's going to have some stick factor for them. And then there's also a pretty significant group that, uh, you know, typically uh, smaller RIAs or, or independents um, that have been in the business for a long time 
and they are highly committed to their clients and and really it's a a huge part of their lives and a huge part of uh really how they gain satisfaction in life. And as a result, oftentimes for a lot of those people, they are slower to think about succession planning because they're not wanting to let go of the reins. They're not wanting uh, to let go of their businesses. Uh, and so as it gets close, the timing gets closer to them when it's naturally going to happen, when uh, they need to come up with a succession plan, uh, then uh, oftentimes people are scrambling at the last minute. And one of the things I hear frequently that's oftentimes a red light for advisors is, you know, all of a sudden they might have uh, a few of their top clients leave when they've never had clients leave before or, you know, uh, at least not, not so many clients leave before or their clients are asking them, you know, uh, if they have a succession plan, you know, what happens if something happens to them? And so oftentimes those are uh, key indicators, so to speak, to have people kind of wake up and go, okay, wait a minute, I need a plan. And then they get back on board with looking at what the options are. Gotcha. You know, it's uh, that's fascinating because you, you would think that someone who is uh, is, is considering working with a financial advisor if they're in their 40s and the advisor is say they could see in their 60s they might have a might have a bit of pause as far as uh, how they would grow with them exactly exactly and and that's happening and more and more team members uh, on uh, the teams of the let's say the owner advisor in, in, in an RIA are beginning to have, you know, proactively have the questions with the, the owners in terms of is there room for succession planning? And oftentimes, you know, it, it's a big process between, uh, number one, the owner actually being in a, in a not only um, a time in their life and a financial space, but, but also psychologically ready to look at turning over the reins. So that starts to happen when all these questions are coming at them. They start looking at that. Uh, and then there's oftentimes as well for the junior advisors. Um, you know, I've worked with people, for instance, I'm thinking of one group in particular, where the junior advisors have actually been on the team for over 10 years before the succession planning conversation began, and they were really in the employee mindset, meaning uh, they were just used to doing what you know was asked of them, uh, following through, meeting with clients, working with clients, you know, doing the investment management in this in this case. Uh, however, they weren't in the entrepreneurial mindset of effectively going out and bringing on clients, of even being in prospect meetings where they were the ones uh, responsible for the meeting and ultimately uh, with the intent to bring on new clients themselves. Sure. So yeah. when that scenario occurs within a, a business, uh, oftentimes there's uh, an opportunity for training and development so that those people who are uh, the employees, they're looking to shift to the owner, so to speak, not only so that their mindset has a shift, but also so that they have the opportunity to develop the skill set so that they can be effective and successful owners too. Yeah, that is a different mindset <clears throat> when you're thinking like an owner and not like an employee. 
Hey, can I ask yeah. a question that maybe is a little bit too simple? You guys will probably laugh at me for the simplicity of this question. But what what are the parts of a good succession plan? Like what all is in a succession plan? Because I know when I'm thinking of it, I'm tr obviously thinking of it from the marketing aspect and the branding aspect, but there's probably a lot that goes into a succession oh, plan, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think... like who gets, <clears throat> who's going to refill the ice trays? It's yep. probably a big, big question. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know if that's spelled out, but that might be a section. No, no, I think that's a great uh, that's a great question. In fact, I was going to say, Susan, as you look at the third of people who are are active in planning, how do they start this? Do they do they go to their broker dealer? Do they hire an outside consultant? What what really is step one? And uh, to Kirk's question, how do they kind of put the plan in motion? Well, oftentimes, uh, depending upon the structure of their business, you know, if they're RIAs. They might meet with a consultant and, uh, for instance, this morning, in fact, I was talking with an attorney who specializes in succession planning for financial advisors and what he does with them in the conversation, <laughs> excuse me, is really walk them through uh, how they want the business model to look, if it's going to, you know, how the transfer is going to happen, uh, whether or not the, depending upon the age and the desire of the owner advisor, you know, for how long does that person want to be in place as a consultant to the team? Uh, or is that person going to be launching pretty quickly into their retirement? Uh, as well, if that owner advisor is going to be staying on board and is actively uh, in the rainmaking capacity, uh, how might that person be paid in terms of commissions, in terms of, you know, um, paid for bringing on new clients, so sure. to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that is really great to think about in advance and work through and actually have it in a contract in advance. Uh, so, again, for the RIAs, they might meet with uh, an attorney or a consultant. And um, for those who are independents, they might meet with their broker. <coughs> excuse me, the broker-dealer, the broker-dealer might already have a solid plan in place as to how they support their advisors with succession planning. Gotcha. When they, yeah. when they would start to work with an outside consultant, give us, give me an idea or give, give our listeners an idea of what kind of where they, what they can expect to, well, well, to pay in kind of, in, in what's the range of services? Where should they what should they be thinking of? Is it is this a one-time expense? Is this an ongoing expense? And let's uh, let's first look at it from the RIA perspective, and then from the broker-dealer perspective. Okay. Well, in terms of you know, like the attorney that I was speaking to earlier, you know, typically the attorneys work on an hourly fee schedule, and so depending upon the attorney you would work with sure. and how long it takes to really get the contract in place and work through everything would you know directly uh, result in what that fee would be. Mm -hmm. Also, depending upon excuse me, the mindset of the advisor, meaning are they really ready to launch and are they really ready to move forward with this right now or is this something they're thinking about? Uh, is there any resistance to retirement or to succession planning? Depending on where they are from a mindset perspective can either support the succession planning and happening uh, very quickly or slow it down dramatically is what I can tell you there. Uh, from a consulting perspective, uh, 
for instance, if someone who worked with me, a business development uh, consultant for financial services professionals, it would depend upon the breadth uh, of the work that we would be doing together. Uh, oftentimes for folks, I'm working with them um, bef you know, depending upon when I meet them. Sometimes I'm introduced to um, clients as they're going through this process and I quickly jump in and help them uh, really fine-tune their brand and their, their marketing and their messaging so that not only they can communicate this effectively to support the stick factor with uh, the clients in the book of business that they're buying, but even before that, um, so that they can, effective, they can have effective conversations with the people that they want to buy their book of business uh, with that's in alignment with you know the future this the future of their business with regard to a branding uh demographic standpoint you know what age of the business uh, of the book of business do they want to buy you know and you know are they people in the medical profession a real narrow niche or are they business professionals a much wider niche you know and then looking at their area of specialty you know is it really focused at with investment management or is it you know, comprehensive financial services, depending upon all these factors and how long it takes to fine tune the focus and really get clarity on what they're wanting to attract and how they want this book of business to look that they're going to purchase or how they want to onboard the people, the clients that they're, that they've already purchased, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it can depend. I've worked with people uh, for six uh, to 12 months onboarding, you know, giving them uh, support along the way and effectively onboarding a book of business. And for, I've actually had clients for up to 10 years because as they grow in the business and things shift and morph and expand, oftentimes they're wanting that uh, objective input and feedback and structure and accountability as well for moving the ball forward each step of the way. Susan, I had a question, and it feels like you kind of just answered it, but maybe let me just state it again and see if uh, if I have the right idea. So, when is the best time for a an advisor to uh, like enact a succession plan? Is it like six months out from retirement? Is it a year out from retirement? Is it something that they need to be doing from day one of being an advisor? I mean, when when should an advisor sit down? get this all on paper and start taking actions uh, that, that uh, put this in motion? Well, ideally, you know, on day one, what they ideally, if they were thinking from that perspective, what they would put in place is a, uh, a real clear vision of the business that they want to generate and how they see other people participating. What kind of team do they see having so that ultimately people are effectively trained and the succession happens. Now, what I can say, for the most part, that's pretty rare. Uh, and however, what's less rare is I've been meeting people with people lately who are thinking about this 10 years before they want to retire. And if you start looking at it at 10 years or even before, by then you might know who's on the team that you want to make the offer to, that you want to start having conversations with to see whether or not they're interested in buying the practice. Um, you know, that's a good period of time to give yourself time to 
know uh, what's happening within your own business, whether you'll sell it to your team or need to find an outside buyer, uh, and regardless, be able to either train the people on the team to enhance their skill set to have it be an effective succession plan or you know, really get the branding, marketing, and the client attraction in place uh, from a marketing and business development perspective to have uh, your practice be um, attractive to an outside buyer. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, the sooner you start thinking ahead at what it is overall you want to create and who needs to be on the team to make that happen, the better. So it seems like um, making sure that the, the members of your team feel tied in to your brand and your messaging is an important part of maybe leading into that succession, uh, creating a pathway to succession, you could even say. Absolutely. And if you, if you know from the very beginning that you'd like to create uh, a business model where succession's going to happen and you'd like uh, for your team to have the opportunity to buy the practice, that's an easier way to start the conversation in the interview process for your team to determine if you're talking with people who are in the entrepreneurial mindset and who might actually be interested in purchasing your business one day. So if you are thinking from the very beginning, that's something that you can do with regard to the hiring process. And even if you're not thinking from the beginning, but you're in a position where you want to bring onboard new people onto the team uh, to support the succession and to support your vision of heading in this direction, uh, now is not too late to start having those conversations for the newer people that you're hiring. Got it. Fascinating. Susan, you know, I pick up the trade pubs. Uh, I read them. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at them all the time. Uh, and, you know, you get the headlines, you catch the headlines of this firm being purchased by this firm and $100 million under assets, and this one has $100 million under assets. Is there a, is there a, a, a size range where a company is attractive to another company, or is it really more of just how the firm is marketed and how it's positioned? That's a great question. And, you know, I work with quite a few, uh, mostly RIAs uh, and and other some other people who actually are in the position of uh, work finding the businesses that, that want to be sold, so to speak. And so uh, different types of uh, M&A attorneys and consultants who uh, bring the parties together, so to speak. And what I find is it very, it can vary greatly. Um, however, I have heard of people wanting to buy a big business uh, as small as 20 to 50 million. Uh, and for instance, most recently, I was talking to somebody who was looking for a business like this uh, of you know people who are in the uh, millennial category. Uh, their book of business was aging, like many are are having that experience. They were just looking for some younger people, but didn't want to be overwhelmed by a very large book of business, and so they were looking at that range. Uh, and, and then, from what I see with many of the RIAs who are looking to kind of onboard. Um, buy books of business, but also bring in new partners, sometimes uh, it's at the $100 million level and above, but frequently I've heard $100 million. Now there are some larger RAs, of course, who are looking to onboard uh, businesses that are 
$350 million AUM and above. Uh, so there is a large variance. However, what I would say is it's from what I'm hearing in the marketplace that uh, there's a, a very wide gap. And if you have a book of business anywhere from 20 to 50 million and beyond, and you're looking to find a buyer, that that's absolutely possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, and I'm always fascinated when I read these articles and I always kind of, I, I like to jump to the chase. And the, to me, the chase is, okay, for someone who is out there who has a 20 to $50 million RIA and they're thinking, gosh, I want to get succession planning and going, what can I look at? What can I look at? What, what, what multiples would be, where would I, how would I, how would I go about even beginning to value my business? Would it be based on a multiple of, of, of gross earnings? Would it be based on number of clients? Would it be based on um, velocity of some sort? Um, what do you tell people um, as far as how they can get a benchmark as to what the value of their firm may be? Uh, typically, actually, I refer them to some of the attorneys who specialize in this realm so they can do the valuations. Um, however, you know, just to throw out some key indicators that, that I'm hearing, uh, what they're looking at is the age of the book. Yes, they're looking at AUM. They're looking at the client, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the client's size. They're looking at the brand uh, of the business. They're looking at how long term, you know, how long have their staff been around? Uh, what... Um, what do they have in place in terms of processes, you know, policies, procedures, uh, processes, how they take care of uh, their customers, their overall uh, plan for customer service? Uh, they look at a wide variety of factors to determine the value of the book. And, you know, oftentimes I'm hearing uh, anywhere between two uh, and sometimes as much as three times the value of the, the book of gotcha. the AUM. Hmm. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that uh, one of the things uh, that you look at when you're evaluating a business is the brand. And, uh, you know, brand's kind of a kind of a fuzzy term. It's a little amorphous, right? Sure. Uh, do you think that uh, developing your digital assets, like um, your your social platforms and your social profiles, and a website and an email list, is all of that an important part? I mean, are people paying attention to that when they're evaluating this, or uh, or are they going to start paying more attention to that in the future as as uh, people get as the buyers get younger? I would say absolutely, people are paying attention to that and. Uh, and my work with clients, branding is the first step. And the reason for that is as a business development coach and consultant, uh, what I say in terms of branding is you want to look at refining your brand for the future of the business that you want to attract. Whereas oftentimes, if you've been in business, you know, for 20 plus years, or it's a, it's a, an even older firm, uh, the, the business may have a bunch or a significant part of their book might represent uh, a certain target market, for instance. However, in terms of the future of the business and who they want to track, sometimes they're going in the same direction uh, with regard to, let's say, medical professionals or business professionals, very broad. Uh, however, sometimes they want to ref uh, refine or narrow their niche a little more as they go forward, you know, whereas maybe they're looking for millennials who are um, 
CEOs of, of software companies, or maybe they're looking for, again, millennials who are surgeons or, you know, really refining whatever the book of business they have I'd just like to point out that that's a now. terrifying idea that millennials can be surgeons. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that just, that just chilled me to the bone hearing that for a second. It does happen, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, however, yes, the branding is really where you want to start and make sure you're really clear on exactly who your ideal client is, how, you know, what's a descriptor for your ideal client, how, how do you communicate your ideal client, and is that the ideal client today, the same ideal client that you want to attract for the future of your business, and then once you have your ideal client, what is that area of the specialty that makes sense for you to focus on for that future of your practice again, um, you know, and for for the future, is it the same as what it's been currently? If you've been offering comprehensive financial services, does that still make sense for where you want to go, or is there room for refining it? And sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, but definitely with regard to who you want to attract in, in the book of business, uh, you know, what's the makeup of the business book of business that you want to be attracting and why it makes sense for you to be uh, the one for them to sell it to. That's what you want to get really clear on. If you're in the buying position, you want to be able to effectively communicate why they should sell their book of business to you and how you're going to take care of that client base and really be able to uh, not only maintain those clients, but grow. And if you're on the selling side, you want to be really clear about your ideal client, your area of specialization, your branding, uh, and you want to have all of that nailed down so that as buyers are looking at your business and talking with you about your clients and your brand, it's really clear and succinct across all of the digital marketing channels, your website, social media, um, all of that, so that what you're saying on your website, you're saying in social media, where you say you specialize on your website, it's, it's on all the social media platforms as well. Uh, all of that will support a, a consistent message and um, a stronger opportunity for you to uh, be represented in the marketplace. Can you think of any all-in-one marketing software package that could <laughs> that could help? I'm not trying to lead her anywhere. What? <laughs> that could help you know, a person there's brand. a company yeah. out of San Diego. <laughs> that's out of that's San Diego. Really awesome. <laughs> and they're called FMG Suite. Whoa! Yes. And yeah, and I have never seen a company before like FMG Suite in the way that they're able to really fine-tune the brand for an advisor and make it easy for the advisor to really uh, craft this, this consistent brand, but actually implement and get it out there on their uh, website, on their digital uh, media uh, as well. And so if you haven't heard of FMG Suite, although if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely have, I absolutely invite you to have a conversation with them about what they can do to make this really easy for you, the branding side of things. Because, you know, what I know for 
most of the top producers for for the people who are really looking to build a business or and enlarge through M and A and and then uh, ultimately sell their business uh, through succession planning is uh, you really want to be thinking about this in advance and you want to be delegating this as well because uh, typically for the rainmakers where you're making your money is when you're meeting with the clients working with the clients and uh, training your team to handle that for you and so any uh, you know the more more of the marketing that you can delegate in this capacity, you're way ahead of the game. So that's why I would encourage you uh, to call FMG Suite. That's very nice. And your check is uh, in the mail. <laughs> Thank I you. Think, I think they call that leading the witness. <laughs> it was a little bit. A leading yeah, the I witness. Did, I did dangle that one out there. No, it's, uh, we, we appreciate it. We, we've had a really long and great uh, relationship with Susan. Um, we've had her come talk to advisors, and, and she's definitely, uh, you know, some of her blogs appear on our website sometimes so we've obviously gone back a long ways but if she had said another company i would have let that stand probably <laughs> <laughs> she just yeah, wouldn't get any more blogs on our blog involved. there you go there you go <laughs> all right susan well uh, you know we're, we're we're coming to an end here i just wanted to open it up to you see if we see if we've asked the right questions or if we're on point or if we're missing or if there's anything that we've overlooked that you'd like to pass on to people who are who are in this process or beginning to think about this process? I think you're you're asking all the right questions. I think for the people who are listening, uh, the the main thing is there's actually no possibility of starting too soon. The sooner you can start thinking about your brand and and your vision for your business and really implementing and make it a, making it all happen, getting it in place as you want to see fit and getting the support you need to make it happen more quickly, uh, the better off you'll be and, and the more effectively you'll be setting yourselves up to win and for the success that you truly want uh, to, to experience. So uh, with that, I wish you all the best of success and uh, I would be happy to uh, talk with anybody uh, about uh, any of the consulting if you're wanting any support with the branding. I have some programs that might support you in clarifying and, and making this all happen sooner. Where can, a, uh, where can an advisor get a hold of you, Susan? Do you have a website? Do you have a, what's, the, what's the call to action you'd like uh, a, an advisor interested in your services to take? I do have a website. It's susandanzig.com. And also you can send me an email at susan at susandanzig.com. And just put uh, in the subject line, uh, speak with Susan, and I'd be happy to have somebody contact you and schedule a time to connect. Awesome. And that's Susan Danzig, D-A-N-Z-I-G. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. And it's Susan at SusanDanzig.com. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, Susan, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day yeah, to talk absolutely. to us about this. This has been awesome. Uh, we will My um, uh, we will be putting this uh, podcast out, and we look forward to uh, listeners giving us feedback. So uh, thank you from my end. Kirk, do you want to sign us off? Uh, yeah, just thanks, everybody, for listening to the, the podcast. Um, if you could do us a favor and go on iTunes and leave a positive review and a five-star uh, evaluation of this podcast, we always appreciate that. And as always, if you want any more information about our product or uh, anything about us in general, go to fmgsuite.com. That is our website. And then go to susandanzig.com. 
then go back to fmgsuite.com and just keep bouncing <laughs> back and forth between those two websites. And keep those browsers open. Yeah, just right, keep them go. open. We like, right. the, we like the there stats. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for the opportunity to create this podcast with you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, th- thank you, Susan. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. Bye. All right. Have a super day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.